Welcome to Album Club 500, the podcast where we review the top 500 albums of all time, according to Rolling Stone magazine. I am the United States Coast Guard, but you can call me 27. And I absolutely despise it when you call me Big Papa, but I'm Jacob Schatz. And today we are reviewing Armed Forces by Elvis Costello and the Attractions from 1979, and Ready to Die by the Notorious B.I.G. from 1994, the year I was born. Or was it? Was it 94? When you were born? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, this album did come out in 1994. Okay, I I knew it. Because he (laughs) fucking says it. Because when you're on a rap album, you say what year it is all the time. Yes, constantly. (laughs) You've got to remind the people. So, you you said that you had a connecting point for these albums, and I am honestly utterly lost. Please tell me what you have. So, in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6... God damn it! (laughs) There's a character named Aramis Costello. And in part five, there's a stand called the Notorious B.I.G. All right, fine. I I don't, know, I don't know how many more times we can get away with the JoJo thing. I mean... It... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm accepting it, all right? I'm, I'm accepting it. But if we get called out by, like, our three viewers, I, I'm holding no you personally responsible. No one will call us out. Are you kidding? Like, <laughs> I will have to pay damages. <laughs> Come on, any edge. Darren is gonna get us for this, alright? I, I, he, Darren, please don't. He already got us for the gambling crack we made at him last episode, so, like... Dar- <laughs> Darren, if you're listening, don't. <laughs> Stop listening immediately. <laughs> no, Stop listening before we said the JoJo part, and start the episode at about, about at the two-minute mark. Okay, <laughs> now we can start. Now we can start the episode. He'll have to hear that. I know. <laughs> to to go to two minutes. What a clowning start to this episode! Absolutely no remorse. Uh, yeah. Elvis Costello and the Attractions, Armed Forces. This is Elvis's. It's really weird. Like I'm on a first name basis with him to call him just Elvis. <laughs> this yeah, is Elvis weird. Costello's third album, I believe. Yes. He's had a few under his belt by the time we get to this one, and it kind of shows because he's going with some really cool political stuff. Uh, and I've actually listened to his first two albums, My Aim is True and This Year's Model, and it, it was a long time ago, and I don't remember most of the songs, but I remembered liking them. Uh, I need to get back into that, because it, it, it is really good. Yeah, I hadn't heard much of Elvis Costello before this. The only really one that stood out to me was Allison, because I've listened to radio in the past uh, 20 years. I actually remember first hearing the song Allison on that 70s show. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think it was on that 70s show. But <laughs> um, I learned a lot of 70s music from that show. This album, I, I didn't really know exactly what to expect, but I guess it's pretty much what I expected, If that, which doesn't make absolutely any sense. But... <laughs> it's a 1979 proto-new wave kind of album. I think, I think at this point it's, yeah, it's just pretty new, much wave. new wave. Yeah, yeah it's just like a kind of very melodic rock and roll styled like... Sort of a little bit like British Invasion influence, and I, I can also definitely hear how this has influenced some artists that I like, um, like They Might Be Giants. I can definitely hear some of that in here. Yeah, it's complex wordplay over synth pop punk with rock and roll all throughout it because the man is British. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, is he British. Yeah, uh... uh 
Elvis Costello has some very choice things to say on this album about the British Empire, and since it's uh, 1979, spoiler alert, they're not good. Yeah, no. And also, us like he he has a a certain weirdness to the timbre of his voice. He does some really interesting vocal work here, where it's yeah, kind of, it can be kind of grating, but like if you just embrace it, it's like really good actually. I, I yeah, I, I thought that you might enjoy his vocal work because it was one of those things that now having had as much musical experience as I have, it wasn't nearly as jarring. But like, if you yeah. had given this to me like five years ago, I would have been like, why why are you doing this to me? Why are you putting this man <laughs> in my face? Um, because it 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 is super weird. Um, while I was listening to it, and I don't know if this is just a me still getting used to weird voices, but kind of had like a randy newman feel to him a little bit yeah sometimes i can see that with like a the singer songwriter style alongside just sort of this I, I can't even describe what it is it's just this baritone weirdness that's in there yeah it, it's a it's a unique timbre for sure mm-hmm. it, it, it's really eccentric sounding yeah it, it gives it a real unique feel i feel and it's not the roughest by any measure of, of voices yeah. that I've heard. He does a pretty good job with it. And especially set to this particular kind of music, I think it works pretty well. Yeah, it's very digestible because, I mean, Elvis Costello is still a, you know, top 40, you know, hit maker. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even then, I think he's still on the artsier side of that. Like, he's... Definitely. I, I mean, obviously, he's crafting all of this stuff pretty well, but, like, if you were to ask a good number of people who Elvis Costello was... A lot of them would not be able to tell you. <laughs> like, he, yeah, probably not. He's not on the the big big names. He's not like a star or anything. But he has a lot of work behind him and a lot of really good work. So, yes. So jumping into the track by a track review, uh, we start with "Accidents Will Happen," which really like hit me right away. Like, yeah, it starts off real quick. Does not have <laughs> any build up, and I love it. Like, it starts with vocals going off right away and i i forgot what elvis costello's voice had sounded like because it had been so long since i listened to him but <laughs> when it started i was like oh ooh, yeah he sounds like this huh okay <laughs> oh gee this it. is what we're working with okay uh mm, okay sure it's got a lot going on melodically and the the chorus has a really nice thing going on with the drums and the organ i don't know it's just really good and i forget what the vocals are talking about <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this kind of gets at Elvis Costello's MO, which is really danceable hooks and poppy music with lyrics that are very, very good, but, like, you gotta unlock them like it's a frickin' combination lock. Like, there's... Yeah. Oh, jeez, there's not... You can't just get the, the purpose of the song just by reading the lyrics just out loud once. Like... You gotta sit no. sit down and figure out what he's trying to get at here. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's... I I really didn't digest a lot of the lyrics on this thing. Like, there's some where it's really obvious, but... I mean, relatively obvious, I guess. But. Well, yeah, there's there's some that are easier <laughs> than others. Uh, the most political songs on the album are actually the most overt, which is kind of nice. Because that, that gives a lot of context to the album. What happens more often than not is the less digestible the lyrics are at first glance the more wrongdoing Elvis Costello has done in the plot of the song. So, like, this yes. is apparently about infidelity, which is why I can't understand half of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but it, it's it's really fun. Like, 
it's it's a it is. bouncy fun song and it shouts the chorus which is such a joy honestly oh yeah i love that stuff and with this kind of music i really don't care what the lyrics are saying <laughs> yeah as long as it's not offensive yeah <laughs> so to get to the next track if we will senior service is a really fucking catchy tune i gotta say really really catchy like dangerously so this is oh my god <laughs> i got this stuck in my head after the first listen like i would just walk around the house and i would i would get the hook in my yeah. head and i'd just be like god damn it <laughs> and it's got like this really cool like yeah yeah that synth little bit (laughs) right right and then the the lyrics follow it and the the cool thing about the hook on this one is this shows off how elvis costello is willing to stretch the very limits of the words that he uses with his voice because the 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 main part of the hook is seeing your service junior dissatisfaction and it's like (laughs) you (laughs) you have you have found the longest that one can take the word junior and just like <laughs> pull that sucker till it's tight. Gotta make it fit the syllables. It, it is, it, it does have a, a like a, an extra little vowel in there that you don't really usually say. Yeah, yeah, but it's like no one in the history of humankind has said junior the way that this man has. A junior? Junior. 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 <laughs> Or Carmen. what's the other kid from Spy Kid? Yeah, Car- Carmen. It's Carmen. Yeah. <laughs> Junior or Carmen? <laughs> I was trying to think. <laughs> I'm so glad that that was exactly oh, what I picked up on. Oh, Junior or Carmen? <laughs> uh, I I love Senior this song. Senior Spy too. Kids. Junior <laughs> Carmen. God, that's goofy. It's breath it. took too late. It's death that's worse than fate. That's a good line. <laughs> Yeah, the, oh god, ton of great lines in this one. Like, I, I, it's probably lazy, but when you just take a saying and just switch the words around, I love it when they do that in songs. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> when it's applied correctly, that's fucking awesome, because you're like, yeah, yeah, I know that thing, good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's an artist who's kind of a local legend of wherever he's from. I, I don't actually know, but I used to play with him in Michigan. But his name is Jerry Fells, and he has albums with titles such as Evil is the Root of All Money. <laughs> or so so twice they named it nice so that's that's oh what that God. reminds me of that's really satisfying awesome. jerry fells i also love in the verses the there's some really cool rhyme schemes like internal rhymes that look like external rhymes until you get to the end of the verse because there's like interesting i want to chop off your head and watch it roll into the basket if you should yeah. drop dead tonight then they won't have to ask me twice and it's like that it's weird because it it breaks you up the rhyme. You think he's gonna scheme. say "ask it," right? But it's like that doesn't like it satisfies the completion of the thought. It breaks up the rhyme scheme, but in a weird and kind of cool way. Like, like this is the leather yeah. jacket of breaking up rhyme schemes. What? You know, like it's just kids wear the black leather jackets. Like, oh well, they're bad, but they're the bad in the way that you kind of like. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. That's Thanks. Fine. We need to. <laughs> I don't know, man. But um, it's it's breaking a rule in a way that is appealing to me. Is what I'm trying to get at here. It's gotcha. Cool. Okay, that <laughs> the leather jacket. What the fuck is wrong with? Anyway, um, <laughs> I I like how he rhymes basket and then says, well, he says basket and then says ask me twice, which 
subverts your expectation of what the rhyme is going to be. Yes. He does that on another song that we'll get to where he says people, and I really, really think like every time it sounds like he's going to rhyme it with sheeple, but he just says sheep. Yeah. And, and it's like, like wait. that's that's kind of better, because, like... If you said sheeple, I'd be like, okay. Right, I'd be like, that's, that's dumb. But he, he sure. uses plain words and applies them in structurally interesting ways, which I think is great. Yeah. There's a, there's some wordplay on this thing. I don't know how much really substance there is to it, because I don't know what this is about, but <laughs> I don't yeah, really mind. It, I mean, like... I was kind of wondering what it was about, and then I remembered the title of the album, Armed Forces, and I'm like, oh. Right. Well, it's probably about that if I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that's it's got some allusions to that, at least. But, like, it's it's a nice little fallback. So the next track is the hit of the album, Oliver's Army, and this one's pretty great. It's got some... Interesting chord progressions. And a slamming piano intro. Yes. And this this whole thing is just a really big kind of power pop thing. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Talk, t- talk about the, the lyrics for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, it's, it's about colonialism. It's about British imperialism, as a lot of the more political tracks on this are. And it's about how it kind of sucks. <laughs> like... I really like, in the chorus... Uh, the, the end of the chorus where he's like, And I would rather be anywhere else than here today. Because that just has some really nice... Uh, it just has a really nice melody and, and harmonies and stuff. And it's really fun to sing along to because that, like, outside of the political context, that's a really relatable line because I think God, that yeah. a lot. <laughs> like, constantly in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that, yeah. And, uh... It's really just about the dissatisfaction of trying to to keep a hold on all of these imperialistic claims and, like, being not just looking at that machine and saying, that's bad, but being a part of it and just being so fucking tired of it. Like, yes. how, how many more times are we going to sacrifice ourselves and our people to try and keep these stupid old glories alive? that weren't even really that glorious in the first place. And, like, that, yeah. that's pretty strong. Yeah, seriously. It's good shit, and the song is really fun to listen to. It did have a part that made me uncomfortable because I didn't know what, it, <laughs> yeah, what, so, what he was uh, talking about. The, yeah, there's a line dropped in this song uh, suggesting that someone is a white N-word, and that was a derogatory slur pointed at the Irish, I believe. Um, that That's yeah. just FYI. I I don't think it's a good use of the word, but also like that's I I'm no, no absolutely like there's nothing there's that I can though. do about that. <laughs> it, there, there's a context to it, like it's yeah yeah. He has a reason for saying it, even if you don't condone it. You yeah, know, obviously. Yeah. So, it, it, like, because when I first heard it, I was like, wait, what? Like, right? You're like, what the Elvis, fuck? Like, Elvis, please, what are you doing? And then it's like, oh well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It's like I'm I'm I'm, I'm okay with it ish yeah. <laughs> it's a lot better if, when i know what it means because i literally heard that and i'm just like but what is that <laughs> right you're like but... <laughs> how did this become a hit when it just drops that in the middle of the song yeah yeah so, no. but now you know yep and the next track is called the big boys well it's not called the big boys but that's that's what they say in the song it's just big it's boys just big boys 
<laughs> this track is very stream of consciousness, I feel. Like, it's it's got sort of a structure to it, and, I mean, musically it's got a good structure to it, but lyrically it, it just sort of gets these ideas out in the open, and it, it's all about performative relationships versus, like, actual in-depth emotional relationships. Because, you know, guys are supposed to be like, oh, we have sex with as many people as possible, and, you know, if, if you're actually feeling things, then you're a nerd and a coward and a bad human being. And it's like, yep. well, but that sucks. Yeah, I really like the melody in the chorus of this thing. The, you know, so hard to be like the big boys. And yeah. That's just yeah. a really... It's a it's a cool it's it everything on here is fun to sing along to really yeah <laughs> he's got these harmonies and it's like this power pop kind of thing really good new wave if yeah um and after the chorus there's like some interesting I guess it's the bridge but I don't know if I'd call it that but it's got interesting chord progressions and throughout this whole thing there's these chord progressions that are kind of British invasion sounding kind of atypical yeah it's cool yeah. <laughs> And there's, uh, I think my favorite part in the song is there's a little kind of bridge, kind of sort of a part of the verse near the end. It's it's not even really like a call response, but there's she'll be the one and then where she will be the one, I guess. Like she'll be the one when the party's over. Right. She'll be the one that you wish you held on to. And, and then it like pulls you out of that to say, yeah, she would have been the one except you were too busy trying to get like 80. So right. good, good job, fuckstick. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> the next track, if we can be getting through this thing. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, not is... a there's there's some smoothness to this. There's not a whole lot of depth in some of these. Yeah, and which is fine because they're just they're just like good ass songs. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Like the, this one, green shirt. I really like this one because it has like this this quiet sort of like I don't know the words, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's got a to be sort of you know pulling back and just like a, a crude sort of music critic it's got like a safety dance feel to it <laughs> with the fucking yeah yeah show you i'm not a professional <laughs> my favorite thing about this song is the uh like the four like loud hits in like the quiet part you know it goes like yeah 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 ah i i love that a lot and it's got like this this little like kind of swagadocious little like but you tease and you flirt yeah <laughs> yeah it's got a very and like shine on the buttons on your green shirts <laughs> it's got <laughs> a <laughs> very polished sort of like overly smooth feel to it which is exactly what works with the lyrics because this song is actually about fascism oh yeah, yeah. i never uh, this one I'm I'm totally attributing to the fact that I went to the genius page for it. Um, the, sure. <laughs> the, the green shirts are in reference to, I believe, a group of Irish fascists who adopted the uniform and nickname of the Hungarian Nazi Party. Oh. Yep. Interesting. Uh, so the and and you kind of get that out of the rest of the lyrics because it's it's you know falling into line conformity. Stripping all individuality and that sort of thing. Um, I'm just not familiar enough with the history to get a lot of it. Yeah, no, me neither. I'm totally, like, cribbing this from everybody else. So, like... (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's actually kind of cool because the structure of the song does kind of mirror that removal of individuality because the verse... The first verse is, like, real short. The second verse is kind of bigger. And then from the second verse onward, the verses get shorter and shorter to insert the refrain more times interesting which is like huh that's it's it's reduction of it and it's like 
it's it's giving that mantra of shining the buttons on the green shirt over and over and over again until like that's the biggest takeaway that you have from this song weirdly enough like you remember the refrain way way more than any of the other stuff about you know trying to avoid suspicion or everybody's you know going under the microscope and that sort of thing and it's like huh right. that really works doesn't it <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool that some thematic songwriting there yeah, it's a clever nice. clever fucking song I like it. And then the next one is a bit of a slower ballad type of thing. And it's got some... I really like the bass work on this thing. It's really at the forefront at mm, yes. a lot of parts. Yes, absolutely. It's the... You know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you got to say about Party Girl? Party Girl, I think, works pretty well because it's got really big highs and then drops back down to lows. Like, there, there's some really cool build-up moments that then uh, get brought back down that work really well. Also, the end of this... I, I don't know if it's chords or notes or what I'm picking up on it, but it's it's the end of Abbey Road. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. It's it's that in between between like um, Carry That Weight and In the End, I think. Right. Which I am now totally blanking on, but it's the do 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 do. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right. Like I heard that, I was like, that is. I mean, even if it is just lifted, it's totally fine because this song is otherwise completely original. But also like. It's right there. Like, it's <laughs> just there. Yeah. It might, might have been a, a tribute, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, it's, it's a pretty good song, I think. I feel like I feel like if you take a riff like that from the Beatles, <laughs> yeah, it's, right. not, it's not, like, a problem because it's, like, everyone knows. It's like if you took the riff from, like, fucking Smoke on the Water. It's like, you're not <laughs> trying to claim that this is yours. You're just saying, like, hey, how about this riff? Remember this? Right, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, obviously, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the fucking <laughs> Beatles. I'm not gonna get on you for stealing from the Beatles. <laughs> like, every, yeah. everyone has. I think that's just, that's fair. Next up is one of my favorite tracks on the album, Goon Squad! <laughs> yes. Ah! <laughs> oh Goon my... Squad. I love this track so fucking much. It's just, it's it's really driving. It's got this galloping fucking bass that comes in. That is yes. oh, so, so choice. This track rocks. This is one of the rockin'est songs, I think. And it's got this that awesome shout-along chorus where it, there's Elvis Costello singing it like, Good Squad! And then you hear, like, at the same time, Good Squad! <laughs> Good Squad! <laughs> <laughs> oh god and like this this also i i'm really wondering how i haven't heard this track before because it's it's there's so much about it that i love like i am a sucker yeah. for fast but like well-constructed lyrics there's one line in here that stuck out to me i fit in a little dedication that is just like it just sounds so fucking good <laughs> in, in the middle of all of this like it just the the assonance and the word structure, it just, the, everything about this line feels amazing in the midst of it. And What th was the line? I fit in a little dedication, something like that. Right, yeah. And it's it's like, it, it's just in the middle of a verse somewhere, but it, it's just like, you feel at this point that Elvis Costello is master of every single word that he puts into this. Like, yes. he is, it, it's so carefully constructed so as to feel smooth and clean and tightly composed. And I, oh. Yeah. And that on top of just the fucking headbanging ass instrumental underneath. It, it's so 
so choice. I love this song. And I really like the the little like breakdown at a certain point where like kind of all the instruments but the drums and the bass drop out. Mm, yeah. And there's like a boop do 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 that kind of Oh. And awesome. and the themes of this song are also really cool because the whole idea is it's again this idea of conformity and and a lot of the tracks that get political on this album are about the idea that you're being placed into a role just because it's it's the only box that society has deemed that you can fit in. Mm-hmm. And and that's sort of what this is. It, it's about, like, you know, kids who have this rebellious attitude and they say, well, we'll just put you in military service and then I'll sort you out. Because that's, right. that's where you're supposed to go to work out this energy, I guess. So you're a part of the goon squad. And, like, going through the lyrics of this, you see this getting either, like, the rebellious streak being pulled out of him or him just sort of, like, crumpling under having this, trying to have it removed from him. And it's really strong. Like, everything about yeah. this song is just so fucking cool. Yeah, great track. Love this track. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sorry, I kind of fucking took over that one, but, like, I felt, no, you're good. I felt a Someone's lot about it. Goon Squad. <laughs> yeah, apparently you did. Uh, it's a great track. Yeah. And then the next one... I really liked as well. Mm, yeah. And, and this is the one I think, like, this one sounded like They Might Be Giants probably heard this song a lot and liked it and it influenced them. Because mm, okay. this one particularly, like, sounded so They Might Be Giants, like, with the organ work. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the melodies. And, I don't know, it's so hard to put a finger on it because it is this style, but just everything about this track screamed, like, this is was a a prototype for they might be giant sound yeah i think i get that i'm saying this as a as a huge fan of they might be giants (laughs) and discovering this song and being like oh wow like right like it just fits right in which is awesome like i love this song just like really really warm melodies and like driving beats like the the melodies are always going up and down on this one like there's like mountains and peaks in the tones and i don't know like there's something (laughs) whimsical about this this style you know yeah, which I found really interesting because Busy Bodies is just sort of, like, it's an extremely peppy song about losing emotional resonance, which is... Yeah. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, and, and that kind of lyrical dissonance with the sound of the tune is in line with what I come to expect from them and Giants as well. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, they definitely were fans, <laughs> I bet. Like, there's um, no way they, they weren't. <laughs> yeah i mean they were influenced by a lot of new wave in general but you know we're not going to be reviewing any they might be giants <laughs> albums on this list so yes yeah, just... i'm glad you added on this on this list because we're definitely going to tackle like one of them in, we, in the we should sides. i would love to perhaps oh. their debut yeah sure nice <laughs> this particular track also has like a lot of really it, it sticks to its metaphors pretty well it's got this really central idea of these more to put it politely, carnal actions as performance, which that's, I mean, that's a cool take on it. A lot of songs are about sex. Not a lot of songs are about sex as, like, going through the motions in general. Like, there's a relationship getting stale, so you're going through the motions as opposed to before, but this is just sort of generalized, you know, we we use this in place of actually trying to get emotional resonance. Um, right. Which is kind of cool. That's some real-ass shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have 
Sunday's Best, which this is a this is a circus ass song, isn't it? This is a clown ass fucking. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is some. It wasn't like actually a calliope, but it was calliope music. Yeah, yeah, it's that <laughs> boom, do, do, boom, do, 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 right? Do, do, and and do, this is the most in your face simplistic political message song. And the message is, let's not mince words, folks. The British Empire blows. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like the government is run by a bunch of fucking clowns. So this song <laughs> sounds like a fucking a circus. circus ass. Yeah. Like, let, let, me, let me give you the first four lines of this song, and you tell me if you need any more than that. Times are tough for English babies. Send the army and the navy. Beat up strangers who talk funny. Take their greasy foreign money. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. You get this song after that, and it's not a bad message, but you get it. God, that's so, like, it's so relevant to, to today in the God, U.S., yeah. too. Honestly. Sheesh, y'all. These messages resonate. Yes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, a, not even much else to say about this unless we wanted to really dive deep into it, but, like... No, I mean, honestly, it's it's all there on the surface. It's really right there in the song. I, it, and I also don't... Like, it's not the kind of music that really gets me jazzed, like... Yeah, no, I, I didn't really I didn't really care much for it musically. Yeah. Because it's kind of a gimmick song. Yeah, I mean, it works... It's about the message. It's a political thing, and this is a political album, so, you know, good job. You did it. Uh, yeah, I don't, for sure. But I don't need it. <laughs> After that, we have Moods for Moderns, which this, to me, felt like the, the new waviest song on the album. This is super new wave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this would fit in on, like, a fucking Blondie album or, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Tears for Fears. Moods for Moderns. Uh, I kept, like, when I was, like, listening to this without, like, looking at the track list, because I would listen to this while playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. Good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Plug that real, real quick. Yeah, the great thing about Zelda Breath of the Wild is it's real, real easy to multitask that shit, because... <laughs> You could just wander around the fucking world and maybe pause the music for cutscenes and whatever, which are very few and far between. But, <laughs> but yeah, so that's good. But um, this just turns into a Zelda review. <laughs> so in Zelda Breath of the Wild... No, uh, <laughs> no, de- re-rail, please. <laughs> yeah, no, just kidding. But yeah, when I was listening to this without looking at it, I kept thinking he was saying moods for violence. Oh, yeah. Just because of his accent and, like, the, the group vocal aspect of it, I just I couldn't under- I was like, what the fuck is he saying? I had to look at the track list and be like, oh, moderns. Yeah. It doesn't sound like, mo- like it's so muddled. Yeah, Elvis Costello isn't terribly concerned about making sure that you hear the right words as long as you're hearing words. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not very... He, he pronounces it like, moderns. Moods <laughs> <laughs> for moderns. Which but is weird, because, like, man. it's it's not even, like, a really consistent accent that he has, because there's some stuff that he just <laughs> says words, and I'm like, well, that sounds like an American, when he is not. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Uh, no. So. But, uh, yeah, this song is good. It's, like, it's like a fun, kind of groovy, new wave-ass, fucking Devo-ass song. Yeah. <laughs> it's also kind of a breakup song, which is neat. I mean, there's relationship songs on this album, and none of them are terribly straightforward, which I kind of like. This one yeah. is is definitely not trying to assign blame as far as i can tell but it is it's very weird yeah for sure it's weird in the typical of us costello style of kind of obscuring everything in words yeah yeah 
good song though. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like, musically. Yeah, I dig it. And then we got the next one, Chemistry Class, which is kind of a another more mid tempo. Uh, I don't know how I would describe it. It's like a I don't know a pop song, but <laughs> yeah, it's I did I admit that I didn't care for this one quite so much because like it, it it's a little bit gross. I think yeah. um it's 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 about sexual <laughs> oh, yeah. it's about sexual attraction and the verses especially have this very like predatory kind of music to them mm. like it just get it, you get this very sort of ominous escalation feeling and i'm just like no yeah i didn't really pick up that vibe I, I don't know what it was but also the the chorus <laughs> just kind of drops the line are you ready for the final solution as like a chemistry yeah, joke, he did, which he did say that, huh? Uh, hmm. <laughs> on a scale of one to no, guess where this one lands? Uh, <laughs> further down the no. Right, like how many no's <laughs> can we get? Off the scale. <laughs> um, yeah. So... I, I understand he's dropping that reference because this is a political album, and he's not—he's obviously not condoning that. He's condemning it, but it doesn't really make that very clear. Yeah, and it's it's also just, like, when you reference something, and this is a thing that the vast majority of movie critics will put on bad comedy movies. When you reference something, that's not the joke. Yeah, there has to be something else with yeah, it. Yeah, like, and, <laughs> and now this, this gets used to, like, marginally better effect on the next track, which we'll get to. Trust me, we'll get to. But, like, here it's just sort of... The the payoff for this isn't really enough to justify it at all. Like, no. I, I'm struggling to figure it's, out it's what payoff <laughs> would justify it. Because it's like, oh, Final Solution, this is an album that kind of refers to fascism. And also, Solution is a chemistry gag. And it's like, right. okay, but you can't just... You would have to make it real clever to make that work. Yeah, and even then, I'd still probably go, but also, you're making a joke about the final solution. Right. Like... <laughs> it's it's not great. Right. Probably like, one of the weaker songs on the album, which are few and far between. Yeah. And and this is... This is it's... Bech. Yeah. It's bech. And then, funny enough, the, the next track on the album is titled, Two Little Hitlers. God damn it. I don't know exactly what to make of that. I, I'm sure this song is saying something, but I don't... Yeah, do you no, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this Two Little Hitlers... It, I, I say that it handles this marginally better because this one at least has kind of a coherent theme to it that's not just... Because <laughs> the, the idea behind this one is that it's a, it's a bad relationship where both of them are more invested in trying to one-up each other. So, hmm. like, you replace this with something like, I don't know, Churchill or something. Or... Or like Mussolini, like let let's call it two little Mussolinis, and this gets <laughs> e even like that much closer to being okay. I see where you're coming from because it's the idea of using fascism as a metaphor for a personal relationship because it, it's it's like you're just trying to one up each other. You're not really concerned with the actual results of your actions. You're way more invested in the ideology than any sort of functioning system, and you're yeah. it's just a power grab. That's that's a very difficult thing to communicate about a relationship, and it's a very difficult metaphor to impart. So, this is a tough, this is a complex sell in the first place. But also, yeah. you named your song Two Little Hitlers. Yeah, like, I feel like there's a lot of shock value he's going for on yes, some of these tracks. Yeah, like, you, you can't just... 
I, I understand that this is exactly what he, he probably wanted out of this at the time, but you can't just do that. You yeah, know? I feel like that's like way too heavy of a topic to apply to something like this as yeah. a metaphor. Yeah. Like I get it I get it now that you explain that, but it's like that doesn't make it It's good. it's just way too <laughs> on the nose. You could do this song as two little fascists, and that would honestly I think that would work. Because he's already expressed the idea, like, he's already dug into fascism pretty strongly on the rest of this album. So by the time you get to this one, if you were to just call it Two Little Fascists, then that that would right. be even, e- like, that would be easy enough to navigate. That would be actually fine, I think. Right? Like, you could do that. And then it, you you just, like, be unpacking the lyrics and unpacking the relationship. But, like, this just... This is the song expanded version of the Final Solution chemistry pun gag. Yeah. Where it just, it's so much more distracting than actually trying to communicate what you wanted to do in the first place. And um, musically, the song is fine. Yeah. It's not one of the better ones. And I can't, I can't believe this was the closer originally in the UK release. Yeah. Because that, <laughs> that doesn't, it doesn't feel like It has much. like a nothing ass fade out. Yeah. And it's it, like, okay. I mean, I guess it's it's just like the the construction of this album is kind of we blew all of our stuff in the first half uh, plus, and then now we just have some <laughs> songs left. Yeah. But as you were trying to say, yes, the U.S. closer <laughs> but is on so the U.S. Good. release. The closer is "What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding," which is one of the best songs on this record, and I can't believe it wasn't on the U.K. release originally. Like that's a ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just wasn't around <laughs> for the first release but oh really yeah i mean like they recorded it and then they stapled it onto the end of the u.s release which thank goodness honestly because it's <laughs> it's just really good yes because we we were we had to talk about it because we like we don't review bonus tracks tep- typically on this show because we do like the original release and if we were following that strictly we wouldn't be reviewing this song but it is one of the best songs on the record and we figured since it was on the original U.S. release, it counts as part of the album. And also, I like it a <laughs> right. whole lot, so we're doing it. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big, big power pop song. Just really bombastic and, and just loud guitars and sing-along melodies. So, so sing-along. I adore it. Man, it's it's awesome. You have to hear it to know what we're, what we're talking about, really. Because, I mean, we could say that, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Once you hear it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so much fun. And the, the chorus has, like, a really iconic, like, What's so fun about peace, love, and understanding? Oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like, love that oh, because it's like, all right, guys, now you do it again. And I'm just like, What's so fun about peace, love, and understanding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, as, oh, it, oh, it feels so so like this this uh, is how you do a closer honestly right <laughs> like yeah. this is so much better <laughs> oh it, it it makes me so happy as a song because it's it doesn't try to do anything weird or complex but also the words are really good yeah where are the strong and who are the trusted like these aren't sentences that i hear every day but as soon as i hear them i'm like oh god like yeah Searching for light in the darkness of insanity. Yeah. It's so... It's just solid! This is a good track. Thank goodness that it we had this. I'm really glad that the U.S. got this one. It really really brings it back after the, the couple of, you know, mediocre or stinker tracks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Which is good. Because, like, how can you end the album on Two Little Hitlers? What are you doing? Honestly. UK version. I, oh, jeez. I mean, I get that it rains a lot more over there, but Jesus. <laughs> what the UK version does have over the US version is the album cover, though, which is just a painting of elephants. Yeah, that's pretty dope, I gotta say. Is there more going on in that? Because I'm looking at a small version. It, it looks kinda... like a fisheye version of an elephant painting. Like, it's got some weird warping. Like, the legs are seem way too long as far as I can tell, but, I mean, this is me not knowing elephants very well. We don't talk about album art much on this, but this album cover is just elephants, and I'm curious to, <laughs> to like, find out what that's all about. And for the record, but I like both album covers, because the other one is, like, this really cool cyan, magenta, yellow, Jackson Pollock, basically, j- just paint splatters that look pretty cool, but elephants. Yeah, that's the, the US version. Yeah. So there, there, there's something in the bottom left of this painting that I, I can't, like, make out what it actually is, but I'm sure it's something meaningful, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> but maybe not. Okay. Uh, but I just want to know, like, what are these it elephants? Ju- it looks like an elephant skull, I think. Oh, yeah, I think it is, actually. It's like some remains of a dead elephant. Yep. Are those t- pterodactyls? I think they're just birds. <laughs> they're, like, really crudely painted birds in the distance, but they look like fucking pterodactyls to me. <laughs> I don't think they are, but... What's so anyway. funny about peace, love, and pterodactyls? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- these elephants do have incredibly long legs, though, and I don't know if that means something or if that's just a quirk of the artist's painting, but... They've also got, like, tusks that kind of overlap in a weird way for some of them, but, you know, I'm not going to be the judge of that. I'm no fine artist. And that is why Armed Forces is your magic <laughs> card art for the day. Thank <laughs> Yep, and that'll close out our review <laughs> of Elvis Costello and Jackson's Armed Forces. I liked this album a lot. I was a little bit leery about Elvis Costello because I didn't really want this this bubble that I had crafted for him to be burst. Because I, I have heard like two songs by him before, and that would have been Allison, and I also heard an acoustic version of Deep Dark Truthful Mirror that oh, he cool. did that was pretty solid. And I didn't want to like get into the rest of his work and just find it yeah. to be sort of play. <laughs> And it wasn't. Like, Blair is not this album at all. Even when it's stuff that I don't particularly like, it's it's got a point. And it's always big and confident. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. So after this, we have actually more Elvis Costello albums later on in the list. At 168, we have My Aim is True, which is his first album. And then at 166, we have Imperial Bedroom. And at 98, we have this year's model. So we have a lot of Elvis Costello in the future coming up. Pretty pretty distantly in the future, but those are... I've listened to two of those, and they're pretty damn good, if I remember correctly. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. So after the short break here, we'll be talking about Ready to Die by the Notorious B.I.G., or Biggie Smalls, as he's known. And, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Biggie. It's all good, baby, baby. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey e. B, Kick Debris. Funk Master Flex, Love Bug Star Ski. 
I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know, nigga. Uh. I made the change from a common thief to up close and personal with Robin Leach. And I'm far from cheap, I smoke skunk with my peeps all day. Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. The Moet and Alize keep me pissy. Girls used to diss me, now they write letters cause they miss me. I never thought it could happen, this rapping stuff. I was too used to packing gats and stuff. Now honeys play me close like butter play toast. From the Mississippi down to the East Coast. Condos and Queens, in dope for weeks. Sold out seats to hear Biggie Small speak. Living life without fear. Putting five carrots in my baby girl ear. Lunches, brunches, interviews by the pool. Considered a fool, cause I dropped out of high school. Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood. And it's still all good, uh. And if you don't know, now you know, nigga. Welcome back to Album Club 500. We are now on the second album of today's episode, Ready to Die by the Notorious B.I.G. Album 134 on this list, I believe, because we swapped it with its sequel, Life After Death. Yeah, we can't do the sequel first, folks. That's crazy. Yeah, that's it's just not right. It's not done. It's like an actual sequel. Right. <laughs> so we're doing this one instead. And this is this is quite high up the, up the list because this is a fucking legendary album it's great yeah biggie smalls is one of those mythical figures in hip-hop like literally i i didn't exactly know how to like approach this album because i I listened to it before like a long time ago Mm -hmm. and like i i couldn't like absorb it and like i guess my expectation was different than what it actually was because i didn't really know anything about it but listening to it now i've appreciated it much 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 more because it does deserve its status i think Absolutely. I listened to this when I was first really trying to get into hip-hop. I listened to this, and I also listened to Tupac, because that was all I knew about hip-hop, basically, was that Biggie <laughs> and Tupac feuded. So I was like, well, they're, if people gave a shit about them, then I should probably listen, right? And yes, I, I should have, because this album is phenomenal. It's funny, because I, I kind of started out in hip-hop, I mean, after I listen to a bunch of like indie stuff uh i started like in the 80s rather than the 90s Mm, like i was listening to like nwa and public enemy and stuff and those giants of that era but these are giants of the 90s biggie smalls would have been one of the biggest rappers of this time 1994 year i was born hey what's up this album is a narrative kind of it's kind of a concept album i think yeah it's got a lot of similar themes. It's mostly about Biggie Smalls not being a drug dealer anymore and switching into a life of being a professional rapper. Because that's actually what happened to Biggie. Yeah, there's this big rags-to-riches narrative that is driving the themes of this album. There are songs where he is portraying himself as a hard gangsta who shoots people and steals shit, and then that's kind of in the past, and now he's this performer and getting much more money and not having to do crime to survive still having to look out for himself and and like kind of having to watch his back but at the same time it's like hey this is a lot easier of a day job yeah (laughs) and also there's just a celebration of 
hip-hop and just the love of the music in it too as much as he does rap about money and bitches he does love hip-hop and he is in it for the art just super dense a lot of things going on on this one as we say and probably will say about most of the hip-hop albums on this list and the the beats on this thing are funky and bouncy and thick this is a very different production style from like say wu-tang clan and you know rizza's style of beats which are very minimal grimy and lo-fi whereas these beats i feel by a variety of producers but mainly produced by easy mo b and blues brothers with a z <laughs> uh, are much more shiny and really produced and commercial sounding which isn't a bad thing they're very good beats they're still funky they have old soul and funk samples which are awesome also a lot of weirdly contemporary samples, too. Yeah, he does sample a lot of other hip-hop artists of the time, like A Tribe Called Quest and Onyx, I don't know, some others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forget, but, oh yeah, so fucking Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but Sno- Snoop Dogg's just, like, in the intro, which... Yeah. Yeah, it's still sampled. If we can talk about that intro. Yeah, let's let's dig into these tracks, because there are a lot of them, and they're all really intricate. So, yep. the intro of this is... Honestly, like, if I had to stick an adjective on it, it would be brave, I think? Because, like, yeah. the the intro is a skit, basically. It, it's, it's like four small skits stapled together. And it starts off with the birth of Biggie Smalls set to Superfly. Yeah. <laughs> which, like... By Curtis Mayfield. This, with... this could go so wrong <laughs> if you do it incorrectly. Yeah, um, the doctor delivering the baby Biggie... And this skit is portrayed by one P. Diddy, at the time known as Puff Daddy, who I had no idea, as I mentioned before. I didn't know those were two different... Or I, I thought those were two different people. I didn't know Puff Daddy was, in fact, P. Diddy. Which is amazing to me, because you figured that out, like, for while you were looking up stuff for this review. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I, I had like... known that for years. <laughs> I don't... They, they were both just names that I had heard before. I didn't know <laughs> who they were at all, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 <laughs> it's obviously forgivable, but it's still mind-blowing to me that I knew that. It, it's really funny. <laughs> it's, it's <pretty laughs> I knew funny. that before you somehow. Uh, but yeah, Puff is on a number of tracks here as the hype man. Slash banter man, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he did executive produce this album, and he actually... I, I hate to pull away from the track for a second, but I gotta mention, did he actually executive produce this album when it was done? He was advocating for Biggie at one record studio where he was just working, uh, as opposed to actually, like, owning it. And they produced three tracks for this album at that studio. And then Diddy left or got fired from that studio, uh, and then eventually made Bad Boy Records, which... Produce the rest of this album, basically. Ah, uh, yes. P. Diddy also co-produced a few of the tracks here, alongside Poke of Trackmasters. <laughs> and he also, I guess, produced the intro and one of the interludes, which there's not a whole lot of production to be done there. Right, but, like, that's you know. that's recording, I guess. But hey, you'll take, yeah. take the credit where you can get it, I guess. Sure. But yeah, so this intro track, it has the birth scene sets a superfly which is pretty great and then the music switches to rapper's delight by sugar hill gang as it's like biggie's mom and his i guess it's a father figure of some kind stepdad maybe yeah 
Um, Because his dad left when he was very young. Right. So they're in an argument about Biggie's behavior, which is to say stealing and getting in trouble and, and, you know. Being a bad boy. A bad, bad, bad. (laughs) Yeah, and then after that, it. And it's quite a heated argument, too. It's a little bit stressful to listen to. Yep. Then after that, it switches to Top Billin by Audio 2, who's a rap group I've never heard of but should probably listen to after hearing this. Mm-hmm. They're an 80s golden age rap group. Sounds pretty dope. And it's Biggie and, I guess, his accomplice about to rob a train. Rob a train? Which is some old school shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, the accomplice is not sure at all, but Biggie's like, all right, well, you're not going to get paid any other way, so we're going to rob this train. We're already here. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck are you... Nobody robs a fucking train. What are you talking about? <laughs> he sounds a lot less white, though. <laughs> so that's not an accurate impression, because I'm not going to try. <laughs> well, and, and then they just rob the train. Like, they shoot up the train. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do it, yeah. And then the music switches to The Shiznit by Snoop Dogg, and it, it is... A scene in a jail cell where they're they're letting Biggie out and he's telling the guard that like you know you're not gonna see me here again because he's gonna go big he's got big plans he's got big and then that plans takes us because his name is is big oh I get it <laughs> that's cl- quite quite clever <laughs> <sighs> this could have been really kitschy and really like meh but Biggie convinces you. Is the thing. Yes. If Biggie sucked, this track would be even, like, it would just be bad, or it'd be, like, funny. But he doesn't at all. And from the very first time that he speaks on this album, you're like, yeah, I believe that he could rob a train with one other guy. <laughs> I, be- I believe <laughs> yeah. that he could, like, take care of business, and that as when he decided that he was never gonna go back to jail, he would never go back to jail. Uh, exactly. <laughs> You just believe him. Yeah, he's convincing. And um, that that intro leads us into the the first real song of the album, which is Things Done Changed, which for some reason I kept thinking was called Shit Done Changed, but it's not. It's called Things Done Changed. <laughs> which I, I don't know why I thought that, but it notably has a, a sample in the hook of a Dr. Dre song, Little Ghetto Boy from The Chronic, and also of Big Biz Marquis' The Vapors. And it's interesting to me because this, I, I always imagined like the, the East and West Code feud going on without really knowing anything about it. But this seems to be before that ever happened because Dr. Dre is a West Coast rapper and there's also Snoop Dogg sampled on the intro. Also, a later track, Big Papa, sounds like a fucking West Coast song. So this is like way before there was a feud at all, I guess. Yeah. This is when they kind of had a reverence for each other, you know, he, they had a respect for each other's talents, you know? Didn't matter where you were from. Yeah. Then, you know, conflicts happened. And escalated, and... Yeah. Mm. Yep, so if you don't know, I mean, I think it's pretty common knowledge, but around 1997, or I mean, yeah, in 1997, Biggie and Tupac were both shot by rival gangs, and yeah, that's a, a tragedy. Yeah. But anyway, this song, Things Don't Change, is kind of about... Uh, it's it's exploring kind of it, he talks about like the pre-Reagan era, where you know life in the city was peaceful and people were nice and there wasn't a huge crime epidemic. And then the post-Reagan era now, uh, <laughs> where the ghettos are horrible hellscapes of crime and where you have to 
struggle and scrap for survival. And I like Biggie's take on this because it's really, it, it's personal. Because it's not just, hey, everything's gone to shit. It's, things are a lot more dangerous now, but it also allows me to kind of stake my own claim. Like, it, it, it's so much more dangerous, but I am also, like, able to make myself a force in the neighborhood. Like, I have to. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's deep. That's intricate. That's complex. Also, the beat on this thing is awesome, because it has this really dramatic string thing going on, along with, like, the funky drums and stuff, and boy, is it good. Um, and there's some really good rhymes on this, and, like, I gotta mention Biggie's flow, because, like, right away, you you notice it. Yeah. Because I, I, like, I really didn't know anything about Biggie going into this, like, <laughs> even though I had listened to this before, like, I just wasn't ready for it. Like... His flow, like, he always sounds like he's freestyling. Like, it's so easy, and, and like, it flows, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it literally flows out of his mouth. Yeah, it's like really smooth. There's no hesitation, basically. And, like, it's, it's weird, because almost everything that's really strong about Biggie is the style. Because the lyrics are simpler than some of the, some of the more intricate rappers. But he delivers them so confidently, so effortlessly, that it, it elevates them. And yes. the fact that he organizes the raps well enough to make it look effortless, but still create these beautiful, like, progressing stories that go on, that hit all of the right emotional beats. It's incredible. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't really try to, like, overload the lyrics with... Lots of lots of metaphor and allegory and it, it, complex wordplay, which that's all good when rappers do that. But he kind of relies more on just painting a picture and in simple terms and having a really really good flow. Like his flow, it, it's jazzy, is how I would describe his flow. Even yeah, yeah, it's, it's so rhythmic and like syncopated and bouncy, and there's always variation in the rhythm. Yeah, and there's some rhymes that just get like their own little line. Like there's just one little internal rhyme that he'll just drop every once in a while just bop bop and then go and go back to whatever he was doing before and it's like that's so casual but it's so masterful at the same time yeah the line in this song that really like sold me like right away that i heard that like sold me on his flow and his style was when he goes like instead of a mac 10 he tried scrapping slugs in his back and that's what the fuck happens and i'm like what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like damn <laughs> So, so good. good. So good. <laughs> Speaking of so good, let's let's let you talk about Gimme the Loot. Gimme the Loot is my favorite track on the album, <laughs> probably. I listened to this one so much, like I would put it on repeat sometimes when I didn't cuz you know, we had a delay before this episode and so I had an extra week to listen to this, so I was like I'm just going to listen to Gimme the Loot a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame you because this is Pretty easily the best storytelling song on the album. Yes. This is a portrayal of a young Biggie before the fame. The lyrics actually clue you into when it takes place because he mentions his, his homie, Inf, who went to jail and he's serving one to three years and Biggie says he'll be home at the end of 93, which sets this at about 90 or 91 or whatever, making Biggie about 20 years old. And so this is a young Biggie still kind of fending for himself in the ghetto. He is with another rapper who I thought at first, I, I, I heard this other rapper and I thought, man, this guy's awesome. Who is this? And it turns out it's also Biggie. It's just Biggie, <laughs> but with he's putting on a character voice. And that's wild. Yeah. 
it's Biggie doing this like high pitched, like kind of like coked up, like crazy guy voice, and uh, kind of a wily little guy. I love it, honestly, because it's so awesome. He puts this like <laughs> other kind of style into it. Like it doesn't just sound like him, but with a high pitched voice. Like, it's got its own more manic... Yeah, it's a character voice. Yeah, it's like it's a more aggressive style of rapping, too. Because this, this other character has a lot more of, like, bop, 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 of, like, rhymes. Whereas Biggie just sort yeah. of lets it flow out. And, and like, there are more, like, slightly more intricate rhymes for this other character. And that's, oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah. of all the places <laughs> to commit to that, you did it in the middle of the story song, and also the story is amazing? <laughs> yeah, and this is, like... They don't do, like, whole verses back and forth. They do, like, little bits of, like, they'll drop, like, four, like, six or eight lines or whatever, and then, like, switch back and forth between the two characters. Yeah. And, like, they're having a conversation, and, you know, he, there's this great part where normal Biggie is, like, telling him some, like, tricks. He's like, don't fake no moves, treat it like boxing, stick and move, stick and move. And then the little guy is like, you ain't got to explain shit. I've been robbing motherfuckers since the slave ships. <laughs> oh, man, it's it's so good. And then, you know, Biggie's like, yeah, I love your fucking attitude. And, <laughs> man, ah. <laughs> Just, you gotta listen to this, because it goes through a full-on robbery, getting nearly caught by the cops. Like, there's arcs in this shit. There's multiple yeah, arcs the in this show song. Up. <laughs> I love it, because he's like, oh, shit, the cops. <laughs> Be cool, fool. They ain't gonna roll up. All they want is fucking donuts. <laughs> Why the fuck he keep looking? I guess to get his life took in. <laughs> it's so good. It, oh, it's a great, great track. Love it. Probably my favorite line is, I guess lines, is when he goes, Before you find out how blue steel feel from the Beretta, putting all the holes in your sweater, the money getter. You motherfuckers don't know better. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that's that's the more, like, aggressive, like, trying to smash as many rhymes into the same bit. Yeah, or, uh, word to mother, I'm dangerous, crazier than a bag of fucking angel dust. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of fucking, like, Danny Brown almost, like, that, like, really manic. Yeah, yeah. Up there rapping. Jesus. I don't I do not do it justice, because I'm, I'm not trying to yell and scream in my condo but <laughs> but it's it's nuts uh, it's such a nuts song great and, and they great take song. a sample they take a sample that's like what's mine's is mine's what's yours is mine <laughs> oh yeah and goodness gracious the papers where the cash at where the stash at <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's like i'm just like th this is off the top of my head too it's like i believe I it memorized I totally this fucking song it. because it's so good i listened to it so many uh. times like the only hesitation in my quotations is when I'm trying to figure out if I'm allowed to say it. <laughs> and and the beat on this one is also like real simple. It's like mostly drums and like there's like a, a thump and bass. Real old school sounding song, this one. As in like this whole album's old school and this one's like older school. Right, yeah. Old school old school for the time. <laughs> it's old school by today's standards, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we got the next track. Because I'm, I guess I'm done gushing about Give Me the Loot, <laughs> my favorite track. Uh, Machine Gun Funk, which is another really good one. I actually have something to say about the beat on this one, because I remember it, and it like it's got this really dark and smooth, rich kind of feel to it, which is nice. Yeah, and it's got those trumpets yeah. that are going like. <laughs> of course, I go to the one that's got the fucking horns on it. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh god, I'm you horny for them horns? I'm so easy. 
I'm so easy. <laughs> but I, I love this track as well. Because it's it's really smooth. Because you get the you get two kinds of styles of Biggie on this one. Because this is the transition from when he was more still kind of tense and nervous to like settling in and being more comfortable with being a professional rapper. And he talks about this a yeah. lot on the album. But like some of the tracks, the three tracks that got recorded earlier on with the other company, you, that's where you get a lot more of the high pitched stuff. When it's, when it's just Biggie and not doing, like, a character. But this track is one of the later ones, and it is so, like, mellowed out and smooth, and, like, he, he's yeah. in his element for this one, and it feels great. Yeah, and there's there's a really cool guitar sample, too. You know, like that... You know, that, yeah, that yeah. guitar sample. That's cool. And also the hook on this thing samples lords of the underground uh, one of their songs called chief rocka i feel like i should listen to them too yeah <laughs> i feel yeah. like you should listen to anything sampled on this album but yeah the hook is really good on this one the i live for the funk i die for the funk I, I feel like this song is kind of biggie kind of talking about how he does love the music and you know he's into the the hip-hop and it, it does start with this lyric that's like so you want to be hardcore with your hat till your back talking about gats in your raps and he's kind of criticizing people who are kind of jumping on the gangster rap bandwagon without really having the cred to back it up yeah uh, where he clearly does it's kind of what he's talking about here yep and uh this one also has a, a line that i love if i can find it just because i joke and smoke a lot don't mean i don't tote the glock no but that's very good as well um th- it's just oh, like I a like single that. line that had a bunch of like folding in on itself which was uh from staying in my business what is this relentless and it's like oh yeah it's like, oh my god you fucking pro that sounds yeah that's like a classic like that sounds like a like a q-tip line i feel <laughs> yeah and also this is the first of two references to ike and tina turner yeah (laughs) why do you gotta reference that twice on the album biggie (laughs) there's there's moments where big gets a little bit um he kind of reminds you that he's like 21 to 22 while he's recording this you know yeah like there is some misogyny on this album yeah it's it's present as with any i mean really any classic hip-hop is gonna have it for the most part like it's 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 omnipresent in a lot of hip-hop and it's unfortunate i think it's a lot better today it's not quite as of a problem quite as, as much of a problem a lot of rappers are getting a lot more progressive but back then that was kind of the norm you know rappers would talk about violence against women as yeah. if it's normal and it's kind of messed up but anyway all right I, i've been having hold on a second i have been having this stupid fucking joke in my head and it's say it please so the the song by lords of the underground sampled on here is chief rocka and every time I read that, I hear in my head, I love it when he samples Chief Rock. And <laughs> that's the, that is the dumbest thing that I have come up with for this album. That's so stupid. <laughs> I needed to get it out because it was like rattling around in my brain. You ever have one of those jokes that just like rattles around there oh, for yeah. a while? You need to tell somebody for it just like but like the longer it like marinates <laughs> like the, the less you want to say it because the more you realize it's no good it, so you have to get it out quick exactly sp- while you still think it's funny uh, and it, like i had passed that point but it had just like i can't let this fucking metastasize in here no i'm, I'm glad you said it because it would have haunted <laughs> and with that we are now on to track five <laughs> warning 
another really good story song. Yeah, this is pretty cinematic, too. It's got kind of a- another one where Biggie is talking to himself as two different characters, but this time they're kind of the same voice. It just kind of sounds like Biggie talking to Biggie, which is weird. Yeah, but he's got like a phone in between them, too, so it's like, it's, you know. It's yeah, fine. there's a phone filter. This one, it's kind of Biggie gets paged at four at 5.46 in the morning. And he's like, oh man, who's paging me? Yeah, oh god, the opening on this, the opening lines of this are some of the best, I think, that I've ever heard. Just in terms of just rolling off. Who the fuck is this paging me at 5.46 in the morning, crack of dawn, and now I'm yawning, wipe the cold out my eyes, who's this paging me, and why? And I'm like... You kinda... You kind of you kind of messed up the flow a little bit there. You, you oh, I'm the, sorry. Am I not the th- fucking there was a rest. notorious B.I.G. Like, <laughs> no. Well, because it's because it's now I'm yawning, what the cold out my eye. See who's this page of me and why. <laughs> you, you 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 left a you kind of. I apologize for not being. <laughs> I'm just saying. Gotta smalls. watch. You gotta watch your quarter note rest. Yeah. All right. Well, when I'm, rest, when I'm recording I'm my saying. fucking mixtape, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> but when I'm doing my motherfucking album club review, uh, I, I think I can let it slip once in a while. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to quote the line with the rhythm. No, you're right. Because Biggie, that's kind of like a signature of his style, I feel, is the way he uses rests. Like, he'll, he'll true, actually yeah. leave, like, a space, and it's like, you know, there's, like, a an inhale, you know. Yeah, he uses negative space really well in rap, which is like, wh- okay, sure, damn yeah <laughs> it's awesome so so he's on the phone and the other guy tells him that someone's trying to get him someone's about to assassinate him he's warning him biggie laments four times in a row that they want to stick him for his paper <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of i mean this is a really brief song so there's not really a hook but i guess that would be the hook yeah if there was one yeah. and i love the conversation on this too because he get like it, it's so real in its tempo because he gets the call, yeah. and he's like, yo, you know this kid? And Biggie's like, yeah, I know him. He wouldn't try and shank me. What the fuck yeah, are you talking like, about? Yeah, he's like, no, Mad Love wouldn't disrespect. Yeah. And, and it's like, no, no, no. He told me to tell I you. Didn't say them. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Like, that's just real talk. Yeah. <laughs> it, it flows so much like a real conversation, but it's a carefully constructed rap, and it's, oh my god. So then, in the, the whole verse, uh, Biggie's talking about, you know, how he's gonna kill any motherfucker who tries to, you know, get him. Uh, so he's kinda, he's staying hard. Well, he's in the rap game, and he's successful now, but he's he's gotta protect what he has, is the thing. You know, he's saying, like, it's 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 the ones that smoke blunts with you. You know, like, it's they, they act like they're your friends, but they, they want a piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, as Jizza says, I got your back, but you best to watch your front, because it's the brothers who front that be pulling stunts. Nice. Yeah. Good pull. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like the, um, there's gonna be a lot of slow, sling- slow singing and flower bringing if my burglar alarm starts ringing. That's really good. <laughs> I also love, touch my chenta, feel my beretta. Yeah. <laughs> Cheddar. Love it. So then there's a a skit at the end of this with like I love this skit so much. Two criminals coming to assassinate Biggie and they're like they're whispering, they're like, oh, are you sure this is his house? Are you sure this is Biggie's house? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> they're just like <laughs> The the ending of this is so so great. What's that red dot on your head, man? Oh shit. You got a red dot on you your got head a red too. Dot too. <laughs> oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> Blam, blam, and they're dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. Oh, God. I Which, love like, it. is that implying that Biggie 
like had two guns. Two guns. And he was aiming at both of them with which laser is sights of marksmanship. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he had a. Maybe he has guards. I don't know. It's it's the sillier <laughs> one, but honestly, I'm still okay with it because it's oh, it's awesome because of Biggie. I still believe it. Like I still believe that he just killed those two instantly with laser sights. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, there's just so much about his delivery that is like yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I feel like what? Why didn't he shoot them both at the same time, though? I think it should have been two gunshots at the same time. It just—it wouldn't sound as cool. I know, right? Yeah, I think I think that's mostly. If it. you got two guns, why not just shoot them? Why not pull the triggers simultaneously? It wouldn't carry as much on the track, is the problem. Because then you'll hear like yeah. one gunshot, and it'll be like, well, well, what did it Wait, have two did barrels? Just kill one of them, <laughs> right? Like, did yeah. one get away? That's not. That's not very clean or efficient. But they both had a laser on their head, is the thing. Yes, exactly. Maybe he wanted one of them to see the other drop so he could feel the intense fear for a split second. Mm. <laughs> In this fictional scenario that didn't happen. Right, let's just, let, let's get out a full, you know, write-up of all the details, and then we can figure out what was going through. Of this, like, this, like, 30-second skit. 30-second, <laughs> kind of goofy skit. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's, it literally sounds like it's from a comedy when they're like, oh, shit, you got a red dot on your head, too. Oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> uh, after that, we have Ready to Die, the title track. The titular, yes. And it's, I mean, it's good. Yeah. This one is kind of him setting the, th- the theme of, the you know, the title and... He's kind of, I guess the, the meaning really behind it is that he's, he put his old life behind him and his now life after death is his new life of success after the life of struggle. Yeah. Although there are multiple meanings to the title and we'll get to those later, of course. Yeah, but mostly Ready to Die on this album is exploring the idea of leaving behind one life that defined him for the longest time and replacing it with this new, admittedly, better life but it still doesn't feel natural yet he's still kind of feeling the vestiges of his old life hanging around like he's still having to watch his back it's for a different reason now and it's like not as much but there's you gotta have flashbacks from that kind of way more dangerous life that you were just living the beat on this one actually sounds a little bit west coast to me uh not quite as much as big papa Mm -hmm. but there's just something about the the guitar sample on here the it just sounds sounds pretty West Coast to me, kind of G funky. Yep. It doesn't have that signature G funk synth in it, but there there is there does seem to be that influence of the Dr. Dre production style on this thing. This, this is also produced by Easy Mo B, who did uh, a lot of production for like Big Daddy Kane and you know other Golden Age rappers and stuff. Uh, and it really interesting to me is that Easy Mo B produced some tracks for Tupac at the same time, which is really interesting to me. Huh damn yeah so like there's really some overlap here which is crazy yeah ready to die um it notably doesn't really have a hook which is interesting i mean it kind of has like that sample of like the die motherfucker die motherfucker i don't know where that comes from it's not genius for some reason (laughs) but yeah and maybe it's like iconic enough that you're supposed to know it but i just don't for some reason (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know and he does end every verse with i'm ready to die so that's I mean, it's not a hook, yeah. but it's a it's a tieback, I guess. But you know, I kind of love like this this like old school hip hop songs that just kind of don't have hooks. Like yeah, like I feel like things done changed didn't really have one. You know, give me the loot kind of has one, but it's just him saying, "Give me the loot, give me the loot." <laughs> I'm a bad, bad, bad. 
episode. Right. Which we yeah. didn't mention that part somehow. But because <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It was but, good. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. I like having these just sort of cool down periods in between verses because he does go way way hard on this song which is nice like there's very i I love like this this old school style where there's like very little singing like the hooks are usually wrapped or non-existent or sample based Mm -hmm. there are a couple songs with with sung hooks like such as the next song uh one more chance funny enough (laughs) that one has a sung hook which I guess we could just move on to that. Yeah, I'm good with that. So One More Chance is uh, kind of... It, it starts with these women... No, it actually starts with a, a small child. <laughs> God. <laughs> and it is uh, a tiny child on an answering machine saying, All you hoes calling here for my daddy, get off his dick. Like that, mommy? <laughs> God, it's so ridiculous. And then you hear a bunch of angry messages from various women who he was presumably fucking. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't really care. Yeah, this song is all about sexual bravado and, and, uh, yeah. There's some lyrics on this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, it even starts pretty strong with, uh, when it comes to sex, I'm similar to the thriller in Manila. Honeys call me bigger the condom filler. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, like, some of these lyrics I can't even read, and not because they have, like, the N-word, but because, like, it's like... I'd have to put a content warning uh, on the site. Like, I'd have to... It, it wouldn't just be on the episode. <laughs> like, I'd have to say, sorry, guys, opalnebula.com is no longer safe for work at all, ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh... uh hmm, hmm. There's a lot going it's, it's on here. It's a pretty here. fun song. It, like, I think it's kind of fun. It's, it's really fun, actually, to listen to, but... There's like some gross stuff. It's it, this is a really similar situation as ice cream. Yeah. By Raekwon. Yeah. This is <laughs> actually yeah because I was just reading the the lyric the portion of lyric make your kidney shift which oh god damn it uh, getting all up in your guts blah. thanks Method Man all up in your guts uh. <laughs> bonbons and all that good stuff. <laughs> he also says I got that good dick girl you didn't know. <laughs> I'd actually, I actually, I, I kind of do adore the hook on this one though, because it's yeah, it's ripping it's... off Jackson Five, uh, with yeah. Oh Biggie, give me one more chance. I got that good dick, girl. You didn't know. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that's so. <laughs> that's that's so just right there, and like, it it's funny, it's clever, like I can't help it. Yeah. And, and, like, there are some really clever lyrics in this thing, despite, like, the very overtly sexual nature of them. He has, like, one of my favorite just, like, stupid lines, which is, I got the cleanest, meanest penis. you never seen this stroke of genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, this song's ridiculous. They, and, and also, they don't call me big for nothing. <laughs> <sighs> which is a, a triple entendre, really. Yeah, yeah. Because the way he pronounces nothing is nothing. Nothing. <laughs> like i i can't even get mad at this song for how vulgar it is because it's just know. it's so it's so smart it's, about it it's like well executed for what it is right it, it's it's completely self-aware is the thing it, it's almost parody except that it's also like a yeah i'm still the fucking best track and at the same time it's also this theme of like how women to biggie are kind of this disposable resource of sex for him that he doesn't really yep. care about that's a recurring yeah, and this comes theme. back later on, too. 
th- this comes back later and he tries to justify it with a later track which we'll talk about yeah it doesn't go quite so well so it's not great maybe take this one at face value <laughs> Uh, I just thought that was interesting, how it is kind of a, re- a recurring theme that is kind of delved into a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Not in, like, a super great way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But then the next track is an interlude called Fuck Me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just audio of Big having sex with a girl, apparently, and then falling out of bed. And now, <laughs> here's the thing. I actually kind of love this track. Yeah, because because of the the woman's banter during the intercourse. Well, that that just because it's she is goddamn hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> but also fuck me, you black Kentucky fried chicken eating motherfucking gangster killing motherfucking black mafia ass chronic smoking Oreo cookie eating pickle juice drinking <laughs> chicken gristle eating biscuit sucking motherfucker V eight juice drinking slim fast blending greasy black motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god all while approaching climax she says these things <laughs> oh god and then like and, and biggie's like laughing about it too, yeah yeah having a good time like which is kind of fun because they, they just like fall over at the end like they just like <laughs> it, it sounds like they fall off the bed yeah yeah and, and she goes jenny craig eating motherfucker and he goes fuck you <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, it's so, like, it. I mean, like, this is obviously staged, but it, it feels so genuine. Yeah, yeah. Though, though they recorded them actually having sex. No, fucking, like, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that it, it just feels so, not realistic, but, like, genuine. Yeah, yeah. Like. And if, I, if I'm if i to believe the genius uh, page for it, it, it's Little Kim, who's the woman who he was dating at the time. Okay, yeah. I think the coolest thing about this track is that I don't know if these are all insults, but they're definitely not fucking compliments. So like, <laughs> I mean, she seems to like it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's okay. Here's here's the thing. This is Biggie. It, it's like they're kind of having fun, like riffing on each other. Yeah. You know? Right, right. This is Biggie's debut album. Like, this is his yeah. debut <laughs> studio album. And this banter where she is just like riffing on him. So hard, <laughs> yeah. it's just kept in, and it, it yep. it's really cool because uh, Biggie spends a lot of the time talking realistically about his life or genuinely about his life, and a lot of the time when you have this kind of debut album, one of the things that you have to do is come strong out the gate and be like, "I am the best, at least for right now. Give me some respect that I deserve." And then in the middle of that is this, where he's just getting this stream of consciousness, like, goofy fucking insult chain from this woman. And it's so cool that that's still on here. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, it's so cool and personal, and it's, it's a weird approach to take for that little injection of, like, taking him back down a notch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It kind of grounds him. A little bit on that front. Yeah. The next track is called The What? And And, uh, Method Man's back! Method Man is back for the third time (laughs) on this podcast. (laughs) Fuck yeah! Like, if this keeps happening, I'll be very happy. (laughs) It it is the third Method Man feature on this podcast and the fourth Wu-Tang feature, which is fun. (laughs) And uh, interestingly, this is... I'm pretty sure literally the only rap feature on this whole album. Yes. Everything else is yeah. is Biggie rapping. Yeah, because uh, Puff is here, but he's, o- he doesn't yeah, rap. he's only hyping. He doesn't <laughs> rap. 
Which I feel like it's like really like you couldn't do like one verse. I don't like I don't know. I when we get to a song that has more Diddy in it, then I'll I'll talk about my feelings on Diddy on this album, which they're not as, like he couldn't have done one verse. One verse, like <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Method Man is here and he does a damn good yeah, job. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting the way the feature works and functions is Biggie raps "Don't Tempt Me" and Method Man cuts him off, going "Thod Man, here I am, I'll be damned," you know. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it's funny how he kind of like overlaps the verses like that. Apparently that was Biggie's idea, and Meth was like, "Like I don't know if we can make that work, but I'll try it." <laughs> and so they did, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, and they kill it. I mean, obviously, but. it's really, really good. <laughs> and the fucking hook is also really strong. Fuck the world. Don't ask me for shit. Everything you get, you gotta yeah. work hard for it. And it's like that is like the ethos of both Wu Tang Clan and Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're keeping it real. And this track is really. It, it does have like a real gritty beat to it. I think mm-hmm. it, it sounds a little bit more Wu Tang than most. And I guess lyrically, that's. That pretty much sums up most of the song, but it's also kind of a it's kind of a battle rap even. Yeah, yeah, because they they alternate with very Wu Tang style. Because Biggie was a big fan of Wu Tang. Well, yeah, I mean, like who ain't right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people who are feuding with them. Yeah, <laughs> but then I've never heard of most of them. So exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I love that. Um, so Method Man is basically the only feature on this album. Which gave him a lot of credit when he slammed some of the later stuff that they did with Biggie's posthumous work. Because they would take verses and reuse them on albums. And Method Man would come out and say, like, yo, Biggie wouldn't work with some of these folks that you're trying to pair him up with. And that's kind of whack. And it's really funny to me because it's like anybody trying to, to like, say, well, yeah, what what would you know? He just goes, like, I was the only featured rapper on Ready to Die. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah the what is a real fun track it's like pretty pretty simple pretty much a battle rap it's it's cool yeah there's not much of a deeper message to it but it doesn't need it yeah i mean it, it's kind of nice it's kind of a break from the thematics of the album yeah and it lets biggie get a little bit more technical with it which is cool because it's not something that he yes. needs to do but when he's got another person to bounce off of it works really well and then that contrasts with the next track which is Juicy, which is the big single of the album. Uh, this kind of put Biggie on the map, really. Uh, this made him blow up because it's a real commercial song. It's pretty much the most commercial pop radio-friendly song on the album. Yeah. And it's great, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. This is one after a long string of tracks produced by Easy Mo B that's not produced by Easy Mo B. Uh, this one's by Trackmasters and co-produced by Puff. Um, and, and he actually, Biggie does a dedication at the beginning of this song that I really love because he dedicates it to all the teachers who told him he'd never amount to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the people who called the cops on him when he was just trying to make money to feed his daughter and all of his homies struggling. Which is, that's the best fuck you in the world. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Here's my first like, I'm putting single. this on my biggest number one single. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh God. So this is the rags to riches narrative summed up in this song. Because he starts out with a very iconic line that is referenced in some other stuff, such as one of my favorite rap songs, uh, Dream by Clipping, references this. Uh, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, uh, which is, it was a hip-hop magazine. Basically, how before he was famous, he was kind of 
you know, living poor and stuff, he would look up to these other rappers and kind of aspire to be like them, but he never thought he would make it. And now he's like, well, here I am now. And now he's got a bunch of video game systems. He does have a Super <laughs> Nintendo and a Sega Genesis. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Which is great. That's Because, a... like, that's, like, the indication of how rich he is. Yeah. Like, that's, like, if you had an Xbox One and a PS4 and, uh, and a Nintendo Switch now. Like, <laughs> right, like, all three of them. to have all three. But, like, now you could get those two consoles for a total of, like, $100. <laughs> instead of, like, 500 like, it, it's just, like, that, that that kind of line just makes it seem so much more human and relatable. Because it's like, yeah, like, if I had a ton of money, I would have an Xbox One and a PS4, you know? Right, like, not... Like, he plays video games like a normal person. Like, if someone's... I mean, not that normal people... <laughs> only normal people play video games. What's wrong with you? You don't play video games? Jeez. Yeah, because if someone's like, I bought a gold fountain, then I'd be like, well, that seems impractical. That's not something that you do. <laughs> right. Like, I bought 18 That's cars. That's like Mr. Burns. <laughs> That's like Nickelback Rockstar level <laughs> shit, you know? A bathroom you could play baseball I, in. No, I aspire to about? one day own a quesadilla. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But no, he, you know, he. No, no, you're totally he, right. He, yeah. he says, you know, he has a Nintendo and a Genesis, and you know, he smokes weed every day. You know, you can't do that when you're poor, unless that's the reason why you're poor. But in this case, it's not. So he he can afford all this stuff now, you know, and it's crazy. And he, you know, he's he got his mom a really nice car, which I think is super important because one of the things that we haven't mentioned, just incidentally, is Biggie's relationship with his mom. Because when yeah. he started selling drugs, his mom kicked him out of the house. Not as a, like, I don't love you anymore situation, but as a, I need to defend like, this myself. This is dangerous. Yeah. And uh, he's, he talks a lot about trying to make it up to her and how he, there's like one track where he gets angry at his mom. And even then, like, yeah. all the other producers and people who heard that track originally were like, he didn't, he didn't really mean that. It was, it was like a frustration thing. It, it, yeah, it's an emotional, kind of just visceral, like, lashing out. Yeah, and like the other tracks on this album are, Whenever he refers to his mom, it's lovingly, and it's like, damn. And and he says on this track, uh, like, she loves to show me off, of course, smiles every time my face is up in the source. It's like, that's such a turnaround that's, from where he was awesome. at before. like, she's so proud of him. <sighs> and one of my favorite lines in this track, I, I guess I should mention the instrumental is, is kind of a remix, sort of. Yeah. Well, I mean, it samples uh, Juicy Fruit by uh, Matume. I don't know if that's pronounced right, but that sounds right. It's an old '80s hit, but uh, the 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 hook on this thing takes the melody from that and changes the lyrics, because that song was kind of a love song, but they changed the lyrics to be about um, just success and like reaching your goals and fulfilling your dreams and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's a it's a nice hook. It's pr- kind of cheesy. It's like the cheesiest thing in the whole album, which is fine because this track is the total. Don't like... let them hold you down. Reach for the stars. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But yeah, the, this song is so real otherwise. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite lines is the, Considered a fool because I dropped out of high school. Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood and it's still all good. You know, he's saying like he put all that stuff in the past, you know. Right. It's like, I'm successful yeah. now, so yeah, it sucked then, but hey, look at me now. It's all good, baby, baby. All right, next track, Everyday Struggle. This is in direct contrast with the previous track because it's all about the bad things in his life. Yeah, this is the dark side of success, kind of. And the hook starts out right away, making that very clear. Him saying, I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking on my front door. You know, living every day like a hustle, another drug to juggle, another day, another struggle. Talking about how he, he starts on the first verse talking about before he was famous and when... 
his struggles were with being poor and dealing drugs and that drama that goes along with that. And then after, in the second verse, he's kind of talking about the struggle of fame and how kind of it's not super easy to be a famous rapper. And there's there's always still bad stuff going on. And, you know, it's kind of, you know... <laughs> yeah, like... I'm <laughs> being very eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's... <sighs> this is the kind of stuff that we just have no like reference point for <laughs> yeah but um, it's so the the language that he chooses to describe it is actually really poignant because one of the lines that he has is people look at you like use the user so yeah it's like he knows that this isn't great but it's what he has to do to survive he's not trying to be a preconception of a parasite or anything he's just like this is what he is functionally able to do that society will allow him to do he feels like shit because of it yep and um I just want to say the instrumental on this thing is gorgeous. Yeah. It has this really cool organ sample that's, it's like kind of detuned, I think. And it's like a really warm, melodic organ sample. And uh, and the drums have this really genius bit that I I feel like must be intentional because it's so genius. Mm-hmm. Where in the hook, uh, the snare drum is going, I'll just rap and snap the, the snare drum part. It's like, I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking on my front door. Yeah. And, you know, it does the... It's got the knock-knock! It does the two hits on the syllables of knockin', which is like, oh my god, like, they did that? That's that's really good. <laughs> it's like, sometimes I hear death knocking on my front door, and it's like, they fucking set that up. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Wow. I... That's uh, genius. I, I also like the bit where he says, with my man two techs, and then, you know, <laughs> we they call say they, he says, they call him two techs because he tote two techs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh... Like, oh, but then that's how he got later in the song he finds out two techs got murdered. Yeah, uh, which sucks. But yeah, this song's like pretty damn real. It's got some really really good verses. But I I, I just like that line about two techs is kind of <laughs> goofy. Yeah, intentionally I'm sure he has a couple like very matter of fact lines like that that I like. Like you know B I G G I E A K A B I G get it Biggie <laughs> <laughs> on a an, a later song that we'll get to. <laughs> um so the next track is called me and my bitch and this is the one where he kind of tries to justify his treatment of women with this story about how he f- meets this girl and falls in love with her and he he kind of has never felt this way about anyone ever before and he says she looks so good he wanted to suck her daddy's dick <laughs> yeah that's that's copying a line from an old uh, comedy bit which is really good. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I just love... That's, like, such a hi- ridiculous hyperbole. It's like, that's how good she looks. Like, holy goddamn. Yeah. But... <laughs> so he, he kind of... He wants to be with this girl forever, basically. And he's never felt that way before. And she gets murdered. And that's why he basically doesn't get himself attached. And kind of disposes of women when he's done with them now. I, that's what he says. Yeah. But... It's... I feel like this is fictional because he did have a committed relationship with Lil' Kim. Yeah, he had, like, multiple committed relationships over the course of this album, and, like, <laughs> it... Like, I don't think I don't think this is real. Nah, it's, <laughs> it's... There's another song that he uses to try and justify his treatment of women from, like, another angle, and every time I'm just like, Biggie, no. Like, it, yeah. it doesn't work. Sorry. Um, the instrumental on this one is really pretty, though. Yeah, yeah. It's It's kind of this really emotional, like, dramatic, really, like, minor chords and stuff. It's a really good instrumental, and it, it kind of goes along with the mood of the song about, you know, falling in love with this girl, and then she dies, but it's also not real, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Which, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I do like the story construction on the song, 
which is I mean, yeah. it's good. He paints a really vivid picture of when he he like shows up at her place and finds the you know the the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Like that was a really detailed kind of picture he painted with words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's not a slouch on this one. It's just that like it kind of sucks thematically. Which is like whatever. Old school hip hop. It's gonna be like that. Yep. <laughs> Next up, we got Big Papa. Which yeah, yeah, this one's awesome. This is one of the best songs on the album. I think this was another big hit. The second single from the album. This is a this is a G funk song. Yeah, definitely. It's like it it literally has that that G funk synth or the whistle synth because there's kind of two distinct G funk synths I think. And this is kind of a braggadocious kind of song where he you know he's just kind of celebrating his success and also getting with some some honeys. He specifically says. <laughs> If you're armed, please don't shoot up this place because I'm trying to get some tail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, is... which I think the fun, the funniest thing in this song is um, when he says, you got a gun up in your waist, please don't shoot up the place. And Diddy chimes in, why? <laughs> which is like... Diddy, please. Do you need to, like, ask why? Like, don't shoot up the place because that's a bad thing to do, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but Biggie's reason is because I see some ladies tonight that should be having my baby. Baby. <laughs> I love it. But the yeah, the hook on this is great. It's got the I love it when you call me Big Pop. Which is him sampling himself from another song that he did like a verse on a remix of. Which he does again <laughs> later. <laughs> what you're With, sampling uh, yourself on your debut album? <laughs> it's like it's not even a throwback. It's it's, it's you just on the same. Up. <laughs> I love it. That's really Biggie, Biggie, Biggie Smalls is the illest. <laughs> it's it's so good, and uh, so apparently, in a way, this was also the song that got uh, Puff Daddy famous because he's got yeah. an interlude in here uh, where he says, "Yeah, honey, check it. Tell your friends to get with my friends, and we can be friends." And it's like, <laughs> he... look, I don't hate Puff Daddy <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. I have never heard any of his actual verses. So I don't have any business hating him. But, like, why is he here? (laughs) Like, I don't... (laughs) Biggie can hold his own. Like... The hype man. You don't need to hype him. He's Biggie. Yeah, no, you're right. But but also, I guess the the thing is, like... When you're when you have a rap album with virtually no features on it, you have to have another voice on it. Uh, yeah, at least I, you know? I guess that's fine. I mean, it. I'm sure it made sense at the time. Like in retrospect, it's it's way different because like he's he's mythic now, like you said. But like, yeah. it just <laughs> it, there's just these little moments where Puff Daddy will do the hype man equivalent of just yeah, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I could have done that. I'm sitting well, well, he's here a really, saying like, kinda that. really, kind of chill, laid-back hype man. What? It's a different... <laughs> yeah, you could have done that. You know, you cold there. hype, you like there is. You weren't that guy. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think it's fine. It's, it's fine. probably fine, but it's just like... Every... And this, I mean, it's... I think that's like a really fun, like, smooth little touch on the track it's it's you know? it's fine it's just and like this this isn't even the worst one I, like there are there are like I, i'm i'm like listening to you on this i don't i really don't get your plight <laughs> i don't have a plight i'm just whining but like okay <laughs> i don't know it's, it's just like it doesn't if i become like viscerally aware of your presence when i'm trying to dig this other track it's annoying <laughs> yeah I guess so. But uh, the next track has an amazing presence on it that is not P. Diddy. Yes, that's <laughs> um, true. Oh my god. Do- <laughs> next track is called Respect, 
and it has a feature from Diana King, who is a reggae singer I've never heard of, but she's awesome. She's so good. <laughs> oh man, because like you know, you always hear that like that like kind of yelling, shouting reggae vocal style that you hear on like uh, "Black or the Berry" by Kendrick Lamar, or like that one Kanye song. I forget which one, but <laughs> uh, you you usually expect to hear that from a male vocalist, but here we have a woman doing it, and it's great. That kind of like really growly yelling reggae style. I don't know what that's called. There's probably a word for it. I admit I don't know. <laughs> Can I also just say how refreshing it is to have the opening like line of the intro of this song be Biggie giving respect to a woman? Yes. Because <laughs> that's pretty dope. <laughs> well, because I feel like he... Like, he must be actually respectful to women. Like, this is, like, fiction, right? Like, when I he get... talks about... Yeah, I know. I mean, that's... Yeah, I believe it. But also, like... I, I, I want to believe that. It's It's just <laughs> super cool to have the first thing on this track on, like, his album is just big up, big up. Which is, yeah, which is yeah. yeah, you got it. Which is a... That's, like, a reggae line. Mm-hmm. That's, like, an ad lib they use in reggae. And he also references that in in uh give me the loot you know yeah big up big up it's a stick up stick up <laughs> right because his mom was jamaican awesome. i believe yes but yeah i feel like the the whole disrespect towards women is it's it's that's what it was expected of a rapper at the time like he was kind of going along with the bandwagon sure i mean it's part of the persona it's like hip-hop canon but also like it's just really fucking cool to have it start off with like yep you yes. do the hook and you do a fucking amazing <laughs> job so yeah this song goes hard as hell because like like, Diana King's presence makes it so hype. Like, I wish she was the hype man for the whole album. <laughs> I'm saying! <laughs> See? That'd be awesome. Ah. But yeah, this song, you know, it's about... Uh, it. That he actually talks about uh, his birth on the first verse here, where his umbilical cord wrapped around his neck, and that was the first time he kind of faced danger. You know, he says, I, I'm seeing death, and I, even, I, I ain't even took my first step. Yeah. And the doctor looked and said, he's gonna be a bad boy. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, because the whole idea is that he's just faced danger every single fucking day of his life. Yes. <laughs> Including the one, like, hours before. Yeah. It's a great song. It's really hard, and it's, you know, it's got that, like, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. reggae-influenced sound. Yeah. It, the the intro to the song always makes me think, I, I gotta wonder now, I need to go back and check if it actually is the same song, but it sounds a lot like the beat that's on the, like, menu screen of one of the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games. <laughs> Like, honestly, like, every time I hear it, I get, like, a flashback to Tony Hawk, and I'm like, was that the same song, or am I just, like, remembering that weird? It just sounds so similar. Absolutely incredible. I I gotta check that. I'm not gonna check it right now, because fuck it, but... (laughs) I also love the thematics on this song, because it's... Later verses are also along the line of, like, look, if you're still in the crime game, be smart about it, protect yourself, don't go for glory when it's what you're doing to just stay fed. Like... Be cool. Yeah. So the next track is called Friend of Mine. And this one, I think, is another one that's kind of problematic. And not even in just, like, a moral, like, feminist standpoint. Like, it's, like, literally hypocritical. Because <laughs> yeah. he's, like, kind of whining about his woman cheating on him with his best friend. But it's like, dude, you literally... You had a track on this album that opened about up... About how many women you cheated on. Yeah, like, you can't just... <laughs> This, you have no right to complain. I think the verses on this one are still well constructed, but honestly, this is probably the worst look for Biggie on this album. Cause like, yeah, <laughs> it's just it. It's like it's kind of kiddish and whiny, 
as as close as he ever gets to that and like i mean everything the song is well constructed and the beat is like good but it has this like really out of place like synth kind of like bleepy like like i can't recreate it with my mouth but i that was a very poor attempt but it's got like this this like weird like future synth on it yeah yeah really doesn't belong here and like it sounds fine but it's like why uh, I do like the the hook though. The hook is fun. I feel like it must uh, be sampled from something, but I genius doesn't like have a link there, so I don't know. But it's like you know that ain't right with a friend of mine. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's good. It's funky. I love it. The like the sidebar on genius tells what the samples are, but it doesn't say what's what, so I don't know what which one that's from. But it's fun, and he also does a reference to Method Man again on this track. He goes. The blunts and the brew thing, knocking some Wu-Tang. M-E-T-H-O shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He lets Meth interrupt him earlier, and now he interrupts Meth now. And it's like, that's so fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I wish it were on a better song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I guess we could call this the weakest on the album, maybe. Yeah, but even then, it's like it's like fine, I guess. Right, like the the difference in at worst, it's bad thematically. Yeah, the difference in heights is not like a trench so much as like a ten foot drop, maybe. Like it's still yeah. it's still good <laughs> and well constructed. Next up is unbelievable. Yeah, and this one I really like because it has a like I don't even know how to describe the beat. It's like kind of clunky and it's got like this weird organ going on that sounds like something good it's really cool because it's by <laughs> dj premiere that's right this is the dj premiere track which i i love because in the sidebar on genius it talks about how dj premiere was like yeah i i almost wasn't on this record but biggie kept like badgering me <laughs> yeah. to get a track premiere had not the time to do this <laughs> biggie had not the budget to have him do this <laughs> but he basically begged for him to do a beat for him <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was apparently a beat that was meant for big daddy kane uh that big daddy kane ch- chose not to use which is funny <laughs> so he's just um, like fine you can have this one yeah <laughs> which oh my god it's such a good beat because tj Premier is so so good he's done beats for krs1 uh most deaf snoop dogg fucking jay-z rock him just tons and tons of beats Limp Biscuit apparently, as I'm seeing on Wikipedia. Wow, damn! He did a he did a, a Limp Biscuit beat. I'll have to hear that one. That that should be a treat. <laughs> sure. Well done. Fuck it. This song is is kind of uh, another braggadocious song. Oh, it's yeah. just a celebration of Biggie, um, which is awesome. You know, this is that old school style. I mean, of, of course, it's old school style. It's DJ Premier. And <laughs> yeah. This is where he has that sample of Biggie Smalls is the illest. Which is sampled from the what? Yeah, when he said it earlier in the song. And and he does the B-I-G-G-I-E, a.k.a. B-I-G, get it, Biggie, which is one of my favorite lines. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much good stuff in this track. It's just a simple, straightforward, just rapping. And then we got the final track in the album, right? Yes. This track is called Suicidal Thoughts. Um, little warning at the top of that one. I think you can figure yes. out why. Uh, pretty obviously. Yeah. So this is where there's the the other meaning of the title of this album. Uh, because it starts off with um a phone ring and Puff Daddy picks it up on the other side, and he's like, "What time is it? What are you doing?" And Biggie launches into this despondent, guilt-stricken monologue, basically, like. 
Yeah. He start he opens up with when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell. And it's like, "Oh yep. my god." Cuz I'm a piece of shit, it ain't hard to tell. Uh yeah, like he's actually like on this track he kind of goes through and digs into the actual remorse he feels for his bad deeds throughout his life. Yeah. Um and this like he talks about how he got he got uh, a woman and and her sister both pregnant and it's like yeah that's like really fucked up thing that I did. Yeah. Stealing from his mom. Just like he goes through like every little thing that he's done bad in his past like stuff that doesn't even matter anymore and it's like yeah these are things that actual suicidal people do. Yeah, it's just a super heavy confessional track and it's yeah. it's like yeah, it's heavy. Um and honestly like just because of how real this is and how he's still like managing to keep it together structurally like if i had to express this kind of sentiment i you wouldn't catch me making it through the whole fucking track yeah like that's that's <laughs> nuts he must have a, a resolve of steel yeah god of course and also the fact that he in fact didn't end up killing himself which is really good he did make another album after this yeah yeah, but um, the end of this track does actually have him basically getting through all of it and then giving up. Yeah. And throughout the whole thing, P. Diddy is kind of begging and, and pleading him to, to not do it. And he, he, you know, he's getting into his car to come over and, and yeah. help him and stuff. And, 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 like, if I got to give P. Diddy a saving grace on this one, he fucking nails it on this track. Like, he's yeah. extremely well, like, spoken and like well acted on this track that's really that's a tough thing to act through and he nails yep. it and then despite all of his pleading biggie does you hear the gunshot at the end and the thud yeah as biggie shoots himself and that's the end of the album as p diddy yells ayo big to no response of course yeah and uh that's yeah it's a real heavy ending that's a hell of a closer <laughs> like Yes. Because it, it, it like, turns the entire album on its head a little bit, and you see the the facade that's put up in some of these songs, and you see the persona that's built up, and this kind of tears that down a bit. Yeah. And it, it, it's real, it's heavy, it's amazing lyrically, too, just, like, it, it, it oh, expresses yeah. a lot of complex emotions really succinctly and efficiently and, and pulls at you exactly the way that it's supposed to. And so for all of those, it's kind of my favorite track on the album. I mean... Yeah, it's really good. There's, there's a ton of other tracks that I still like, okay, this is, like, better lyrically, or this has some of the better moments, maybe even, like, you know, better story songs on this album. But overall... It, it's a really different... It's a completely different feel from, like, a track like Gimme the Exactly. Wind, you know, it's like... Yeah. So, so uncomparable yeah it's it's so different and so out there and again like the intro this is a brave fucking track like this is probably like the best track but like i say my favorite is give me the loot because like yeah i can listen to give me the loot and have fun yeah no absolutely you know? yeah yeah like this track is not fun and there's a couple different this metrics is... that like <laughs> measure this and i again like i don't know if this is lyrically the best or story-wise the best but like it's so artistically it's like completely out there totally brave real as hell and genius honestly like this this yeah. is a brilliant track yes it is and that does close out the album and uh, god what an album what an album <laughs> like you could i could really feel that this is like one from higher up in the list that we moved yeah. down yeah you can, <laughs> you know? can kind of tell and uh like there 
This is his debut. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. I don't like. I there. There's a number of folks who just say like, "There's almost no better debut than this." Yeah. I mean, there's like paid in full. Like, I don't know. There's a bunch, but yeah. I, yeah. This one is really fucking strong. Really up there. Yeah. And definitely, definitely listen to it. Like, this is a, a great gateway rap album i think if you want to get into rap and if you're already into it you're gonna love it probably yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then we'll be reviewing life after death the, the second album later yeah we, we we swapped it on the list so it'll be a while before we get to it now unless we want to like toss things around even further because the formula is just out the window by now like we can do whatever we want <laughs> yeah i mean this is our fucking podcast yeah there's no rules yeah just right yes and Armed Forces was really good, too, so check that out if you like New Wave or just good rock and roll. Yeah. And tell us what you think of them. And then next week, we're going to be reviewing Manu Chow's Proxima Estation Esperanza and The Smiths by The Smiths. <laughs> that was a lot easier to say. It is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So listen to those and tell us what you think of them. And you can do so on opalnebula.com. New episodes of the show drop Wednesdays and uh have a gay old time. Say goodbye. Bye.